Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist based in Kansas City. And I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy good conversation about love, heartache, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over and probably listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. I had a fellow podcast host on this episode, Dating Kind of Sucks host Adam Avitable, which I kind of botched his name like an asshole when I was introducing him, so I kind of cut that out. And I thank you, Adam, for being patient, but I've now practiced your name several times. And the way that I figured out how to say his name properly is that second syllable rhymes with clit. Avitable. Heh <laughs> Anyway, so he's one of two hosts on the Dating Kind of Sucks podcast. I'm hoping to get his co-host, Sarah, on soon. We met through TikTok, so we talked about some of our experiences on there, but most of it was about what we've got going on IRL. We discussed red flags, how we screen people out, and what we feel the difference is between sexual chemistry and compatibility and why those things are important. And we also told a few entertaining dating stories. So find both of us on TikTok. I have both his and my handles in the show notes. You can find him at Avitable, which is A-V-I-T-A-B-L-E, like A-V-I table. And mine is at Coach Kristen. Of course, as always, find me on all the other socials. Like, share, and subscribe to this podcast and give theirs a listen as well. Enjoy our conversation about why dating kind of sucks. I'm joined on Keep Them Coming today by someone I met on TikTok. Welcome to the show, Adam. Hello. Now, Adam is a writer, a comedian. You went to law school, but not practicing, but you look like you're a jack of all trades, so which I think is a good thing. Jackass right? of all trades, yes. <laughs> so tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, Adam. Well, I, uh, like you said, I went to law school and decided halfway through I never wanted to practice. And over the years, realized that I really want to pursue creative things and uh, started stand-up comedy about 10 years ago. And I've toured the country and performed in, a, in other other countries as well. And had a, just did, I love that. And uh, I'm a writer. I've written a couple of books and I'm working on another one right now. Um, and right now, most importantly, is I'm a nomad. I lost my, uh, not lost my house, but the landlord of the house I lived in in Orlando, Florida for 11 years decided to sell it and gave me a little over 30 days notice to move out so mm. yeah i decided just to sell everything i own and fit what i can in my car and uh, so right now i'm actually just traveling the country and using the money i would pay for rent on airbnbs and hotels and everything and uh just working on a book and just seeing the country you know a lot of people are living the digital nomad life post-pandemic i know yes. post-pandemic but since the pandemic started I don't know what the difference is between people keep saying digital nomad. I'm like, I feel like that's like people who just travel somewhere and then come back home again. I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm more of a homeless nomad. I don't know if there's a, if there's a difference. But, uh, yeah, yes, you're right. You're right. You're just living the nomad life, period. Essentially, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And the only the digital things, of course, is I'm on TikTok and I, and I host a podcast. I co-host a podcast called Dating Kind of Sucks as well. Which is what sparked my interest for wanting to have me on the show, of course. Right. So yeah, Adam and his friend Sarah have a podcast called Dating Kind of Sucks. And I mean, my listeners have heard me lament about some of the crappier things about dating. I mean, there's some cool things, certainly. But yeah, today we're going to talk about some of the reasons why dating kind of sucks and what you can do about it to make it better. That's right. right. Absolutely. You want to date smarter, not harder. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So tell me and the listeners a little more about dating kind of sucks. When did you start it? And how did you and Sarah decide like, this is a topic we really need to get out there for people? It's an interesting story. I was uh, teaching actually a writing workshop at a social media conference in Orlando and Sarah was in the audience and I basically told everybody in the audience if they followed me on Twitter, I'd follow them back just as like a, you know, engagement. And then part of my editing is actually having people, I, I give a giant paragraph and they have to boil it down to a tweet. 
and then just to show how to edit. And so, um, and then I would retweet everybody's. Anyway, Sarah and I just kind of became mutuals in that way. And then she moved to Nashville from Orlando. And um, I never actually met her in person, even though she was in the workshop. There were a lot of people in the workshop, so I didn't get a chance to meet her. And I would just kept following her social media. And she had a blog called Dating Kind of Sucks. Mm. And she was writing about her dating experiences as a, you know, she's uh, in her, in her, well, now she's in her late 20s, but she was in her mid 20s. And she was just going through all, you know, moved to a new city and trying dating and all this. And uh, we just kept communicating. And and I really loved some of her stories. And one night, I think we were both on like Snapchat chatting and she just had a bad date. And I think I had had either had a bad date or bad, I had been, someone flaked on me or something. We were, mm -hmm. and we were both kind of drunk talking on Snapchat. Mm -hmm. I was like, we should start a podcast. It was like one in the morning. And she's like, oh yeah, I'm down. Uh -huh. So the next, the next day we had a phone call and we actually talked for the first time and realized, oh, we can actually communicate well. And we get along well on the phone. So we recorded our first episode. And, uh, and then I didn't actually meet her in person for, I want to say six months after that. Mm. Um, maybe even longer. She came home for Christmas to Orlando and we actually went out for the first time and I took her to her first strip club and uh, ah, nice. all, all, all that. Yeah. But, uh, but so that, yeah, and it's just taken off since then. Like uh, just the, idea of us sharing she's like i am where we are both very honest and transparent we have no problem talking about the most embarrassing and intimate moments of our lives with my the, kind of people uh, yeah and and so it's, it's unusual to find somebody else who's like that because you know most people are very shy about these things but mm -hmm. sarah's just like like i am so we spend a half of our episode talking about like oh well here's all the things that went wrong here's all you know the very you know explicit details of our dates and then we talk about a topic that we want people to have takeaways from mm-hmm very cool. What are some of the What are some of the dates that have made for really good fodder on the podcast? Mm, that's a good question. Um I would say that I I have a lot of my stories tend to be related to people that I've actually been in relationships with because I don't go on a lot of dates. I screen people out really heavily because mm -hmm. my time is too valuable and I'm also very much antisocial. So I don't want to go outside and I mean beyond the antisocial thing the point of your time is valuable and that you heavily oh, yeah. screen people and that it's about quality, not quantity. Mm, I talk about that all the time. Okay. Keep going. Absolutely. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Um, when I first started dating, um, one of the weirdest things, and this is all on me because Sarah and I joke that we're both garbage human beings. Like we, we try to grow and be better, but like we started off very bad and, and I have some I, trash panda tendencies. It's okay. Oh, I feel like, yeah. I mean, you kind of, cause you, you have to start off bad to learn how to grow, you know, nobody mm -hmm. starts off, mm -hmm. nobody starts off being a perfect, um, right. when I, when I first post-divorce, I went through my tram page as I call it and, um, <laughs> I was dating 14 different women at once. And I had a spreadsheet. And Can I ask, I, were you dating or were you just fucking them? No, just dating. I was actually only okay. having sex with two of them. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually, this was, because my first time on dating apps, so I went on every dating app you could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew how to write, so I had good profiles and all this. And and not, not you know, I have evolved over time and gotten much better at writing profiles, but then I was still decent. And so I had a lot of, lot of interest. Um, and so 14 different women, and I kept a spreadsheet of all of our conversations because I would talk to them and I wanted them to know that they mattered to me. So like for any of them that would tell me about their lives, I would write notes. Oh, they have two kids, you know, Kevin and Alex and they're this age, and this is their job and this is what they do. And you got to keep notes. And, if you're dating 14 people, uh, you keep it straight, right? Yeah, who did yeah. you tell what, who told you what? Because that moment when you get caught in a conversation, they're like, um, uh, that's not me. And you're like, oh. Exactly. And I, I never wanted them to, I never wanted them to feel like I wasn't listening because I was listening. It's just there was a lot of information. Yeah. So at some point, uh, I realized that I was just driving the my anxiety was through the roof and I was exhausted and it was just too much work. And I finally was like, I ended it with all 14 of them, like just did not continue dating with any of them. Uh, because it was too much. But, uh, mm -hmm. but that was my spreadsheet days were, were that was a crazy period of my life. I love it. I call it my harem life when yeah. I was living the rotation lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, and I kind of evolved into like more of a, from dating to like a little bit of casual sex and then occasionally dating and casual sex and then dating. And then like, it's kind of been, and then every now and then I'll be like, all right, I'm ready for a relationship and I'll find somebody at some point or mm -hmm. not. You've been divorced. You said for 11 years, yep. right? Yep. And you know, kind of back and forth between dating versus relationships. But yeah, I mean, we've all got some of those stories that, are cringeworthy but make for good comedy like all the things so yeah i want to hear some of your <laughs> best of the worst 
Yeah, you know, you know, it's 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 the weirdest one probably that I had was going on a date with a woman when I was first new at dating, and she called me as soon as we matched on like okay cupid like she messaged back and forth like can i have your number i said yes and so then she you know called me and was like what are you doing today and i was like well i'm just doing some work and i i, I was working at my company at the time and then she was like well would you like to meet for ice cream this afternoon mm-hmm. and i was like uh, okay like she was very pushy to me mm-hmm. very quickly and I, I that's, now I know that's a red flag, but uh, I should I should yeah at that point. But uh, so I meet her for ice cream, and we're walking around, and she tell like she shares, but not in a like communication conversational style. She shares in a like I just want to tell you weird things. Like she tells me she grew up with no teeth. Like she's from West Virginia, but like somehow there was some defect. She had no teeth until she was in a, like her adult teeth grew in, okay. and I was like okay. But she's just like like the kid from Stranger Things. Uh, yeah, I think actually, but maybe, I, I, yeah, it is an actual medical condition, but like mm-hmm. hers, like none of her teeth came in at all. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And I don't know if she thought I was going to judge her. Or she was trying to tell me the story as like some type of like screening tool to see if I was going to laugh at her or whatever. But I was like, okay, like you do, that wasn't your fault, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we're just walking and she's asking what I'm looking for, blah, blah, blah. And then she finally goes, well, you know, you, you're too much of a newbie at dating for me right now. Um, I can tell you you're going to have to date around before you're there, which she wasn't wrong on that. But she's like, um, I try to go on, um, you know, five to seven dates a week. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I've been okay. on, you know, yeah, I, I know. Right. And I was like, Oh, wow. Yeah. You're, you're really going aggressive. And, uh, and she's like, yeah. So, you know, I just, I go on hundreds of dates and I, you know, I just little ice cream dates and this is my way to try to really find out if someone's worth my time. And so uh, good luck. And then left. and. Was this in a big city? Uh, Orlando area. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say you're going to need, need oh, a yeah, big yeah. population base to fulfill that many days. Yes. Yes. And can I ask, did she pay for her own ice cream? I don't remember. Uh, it, it literally was 10 years ago, but I think, I think I bought it. I think I bought ice cream. She's one of those uh, free food finders. She might have, she might have been, but it was ice cream, you know, it was like $7. It took me a lot while to learn that first dates didn't be expensive. Like I, mm-hmm. when I first started dating, I was like going out to, we had nice restaurant dinners for first dates. You'd spend $150, $200 easily on the first date. Mm-hmm. And over time I started realizing like, you know, I, if the date isn't like a, worthwhile to me, like if it's not someone's going, there's going to be a second date. Why am I spending two hours of my time and spending, you know, this much money when we can meet up for a drink? We can have a drink at a bar, say hi. If it goes well, say, hey, let's go to a second location. Let's go to, or let's see, you know, do you want to order some food? Do you want to like, then you can kind of take it from there. Or you can say, oh, this is great. I have to go now and leave. Yeah. It took me a long time to realize that. I, you know, I obviously as a coach, I hear mixed things from clients. I see mixed things online. And there's some people that are of the mindset of, you know, if you can't ask me out on a proper date and their idea of proper is, dinner drinks whatever but it's something more than coffee then there's the other ones who i think are kind of like us whereas if you don't have a connection with someone if you've done something short sweet simple cheap then at least you haven't wasted much time because your time is valuable yes uh and how many of us have been on a date 10 15 minutes in something gets said and you're like oh or you just realize you're not feeling it oh absolutely going out for ice cream or coffee or a drink early like happy hour drink yeah uh it gives you an easier escape route it does but i gotta ask you do you you talk about screening people out and i'm a big proponent of that really intently focusing on what you want in a partner and doing the heavy leg work a lot of the heavy leg work i should say before you actually go on a first date to figure out how well they fit that so what are some of the things that you do to screen people out well i think for me i don't know i i wouldn't say that my actions are normal i'd probably be better describing what i suggest people do to screen people out maybe okay the, yeah the better, let's, better let's, we, because, we can compare notes yeah <laughs> well, just deal, well my situation is different because i have a podcast that i talk about publicly i have a tiktok mm-hmm. people can go look at so when i meet somebody on a dating app uh 90 of the time they've either already heard of me or the podcast or they've looked it up 
and watched or listened to blah, blah, blah. So they, they already know a good chunk about me and they have access to my entire life because I am, I'm, I'm public and I have everything public. I and, used to go through that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, as, so, it, but it, so it means that I'm giving them already access to this. So like me screening them out is more of a, is, is a little different, but what I suggest to people screening them out is you, you take the time, you don't rush out and meet somebody because every time and, and this, and this is frustrating because it sounds like uh, I, I hate that. It sounds like mansplaining when I, when I am talking to, to women about this and women are like, well, no, I just didn't want to go out there and meet them immediately. I don't want to, I don't want a pen pal. And I'm like, taking a week isn't a pen pal. Taking, taking two months, that's a pen pal. But taking a yes. week to get to know somebody, to screen out some of those basic red flags, just to see if they present themselves. And they're like, well, they, they're going to hide them. I'm like, no, they really won't. Like a lot of these red flags will present themselves. Some won't, but a lot of them will. And if you can screen mm-hmm. out 80% of them, and that also isn't your time valuable. Why would you want to rush out, get dressed up and put on you? Because that type of person is also the person who's going to go, you know, all out mm-hmm. for that for their date. They're not somebody who's going to show up in a sweatpants and a, and a ponytail <laughs> because if they insist, you know, if they're having that pen pal argument they're the type that dress up it's just this right correlate agree um and like and i'm like and your safety and that's the other thing is like men men are a problem i mean let's just be on men are a problem yeah and the reason to screen people out isn't just so you don't waste your time it's so that you don't end up with a guy who doesn't know how to take no who might actually who might assault you um or even on the lesser end who might stalk you who might try to find out more information about you show up at your work whatever like whatever the reason might be why would you put yourself in that situation if you can avoid it most of the time with some simple yes. screening tools so the screening tools that i said sorry i didn't i went on a little rant there no, but, you're uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> i tend to do that um but the screening tools are usually you just let them talk like you let them present themselves if they start off a conversation with hey sexy hey beautiful uh things mm-hmm. like that which i get sometimes hey handsome it annoys me i'm like hey my name's adam you know, mm-hmm. like I, my name's on there. I'm, I'm not, you know, like, and, and, and that's just as a guy, as a woman, I can only imagine how objectifying that feels. So that's a red, it's almost a red flag. I feel like that's kind of a yellow flag because then if you say, Hey, my name's so-and-so my name's Kristen or whatever. Um, I, and you know, I just don't, I don't like being called that. If they respond, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. Then they just redeem themselves a little bit. If they get defensive and shitty, there's a, there's a red flag. You just get rid of somebody. You don't want to waste your time. Uh, yeah. How quickly they turn to sex. You know, how quickly mm-hmm. they, they start talking about, oh, well, I'm here in bed. I wish you could, or I'm mm-hmm. laying down, but something else is waking up, you know, or whatever stupid shit, <laughs> you know. Um, that's a good one. Yeah, which, which you know, it happens. Then that's another red yep. flag that you can screen them out. And then if they try to push to meeting too soon or get your phone number and you say, I'm not comfortable with that, and they mm-hmm. get shitty about it, then there's another way to screen them out. And then finally, this stage of when they set the first date, when you finally get to the point where you're willing to meet them and they suggest something, you suggest something opposite. So like they say, hey, do you want to go to drinks at this place? And you say, I don't really like that place. Can we try here instead? Mm-hmm. Just, a, just a venue change and see how they react. If they mm-hmm. get really shitty about that, then you just screen out another red flag because they're very controlling and they can't handle a woman giving any pushback. Probably a narcissist. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and, and the only, oh, the other big thing is love bombing. If during mm-hmm. your conversation, they don't ask you questions to get to know you as a person, they keep saying, oh, you're so amazing. You're so beautiful. I just like, I've been waiting for someone like you, but I can't wait to meet a woman like you. Like you were just the woman of my dreams. You are the mm-hmm. one and they don't know anything about you. Yeah. Then they are not being genuine. And it's hard because you hear these compliments and you want to take them and you want to embrace them because they make you feel good, but they're not real. They're shallow compliments and they're, they're, they're yeah, they're not and true. Especially when they're what you're getting compared to some of the shit guys that are out there you know when you're getting attention when a lot of times all you're getting is the brush off the casual you know the not interest because we as human beings i don't think have one soulmate on this planet i think that we have many people out there that we could connect with really deeply but it is a small percentage so you're gonna not get a connection you're gonna get the brush off or whatever from a large percentage of humans when you're trying to date So then when you are getting all this wonderful attention and it seems like they've looked at your profile and maybe they found your social media and they've checked you out and like, this person actually likes me and they see me, it feels good. But Mm -hmm. love bombing is a serious issue. It is. Uh, You hit a lot of the things that I recommend for clients as well. Absolutely. Glad you're. One of the things I also would say on top of that is before you go on an in-person date, either have a phone call or a video chat. Yeah. 
Because in, again, as I mentioned, we've all been on those dates where 10 minutes in, like you had good banter by text or messaging, whatever you get in person and they're totally different and you have no connection whatsoever. If you have a 10 or 15 minute, you know, phone call or video chat, and it seems like things are going well, it's probably going to go well in person. Yeah. But if it doesn't, you might as well not waste your time and, and get dressed up, do all the things, get ready, go to the place. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a good idea. I think that's one of those things I, I generally don't do unless someone suggested, but just because I feel like if I'm going out, but I've also been lazy in my dating. I'm like, I'm going to go to the bar at this time. If you'd like to come join me for a drink, then come join me. I'm going to go there regardless. You know, like it's sort of one of these things where I'm not wasting any time, you know, at that point. If they come out, it's not worthwhile, then it's good, you know. But I used to do things where I would have, as a comedian, I would be like, I'm at open mic this time. I don't really have a lot of time while I'm open mic because I will be hosting it. But if you want to come out and join me, I'll, you know, first drinks on, like drinks are on me or whatever, and it'll be nice to meet you. And then we can chat afterwards. Mm -hmm. And that would give me a way to see how they do to handle the comedy and, and, and also like kind of a way to see who they are as a person and then decide if it's worth, you know, actually spending any time with too. Mm-hmm. Although I'm curious, I mean, everyone's in a different place when it comes to like where they are in dating, if they want something casual, something serious, something committed. If you're currently in the phase of, hey, I'm going to be at this bar at this time, you can show me if you want. Could that come across as, well, he doesn't really want me there. He just wants company and he wants a warm body. It could, it could, mm -hmm. but a lot of times when I would do that was usually when I was busy enough that I was out doing comedy every night of the week. So I didn't have any free nights whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, and so as a result, it was more like, I'm going to be here anyways. I'm going to be doing this. Like, this is, this is my schedule mm -hmm. and I'm, I'd like to fit you into it if I can, but I can't like if, at that point, seven nights a week, I'm busy. And so, you know, can we, can are you we still make? in that dating mode or what's dating like for you right now? Well, no, I mean, I, I mean, with I, your so, being a nomad, like what, what are you, are you I don't know how long you're going to stay in places. Like what yeah. are you going to focus on with dating yeah. right now? With being a nomad, how, how can you even try to date right now? It or has been, it, it, I mean, I have a little bit, um, but it is a little different now because I'm, I'm, I took a break from standup because uh, I wanted to write more and mm -hmm. uh, I've been doing it for 10 years. I felt kind of stagnant with my material. So that, that, that also gave me a break because it was exhausting. I mean, I was out literally seven nights a week and just did not ever have a break to do any of my creative projects or anything like that. So it's been good. But uh, on the, on the road, uh, if I'm here for more than a week or so, then I'll, yeah, I'll pull up Tinder or Bumble and, or both and just look around. And if I meet match with somebody and be like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a nomad. I'm not actually like staying, but if you want, like uh, just the socialization might be nice just to like meet up um, and, and we can chat and, you know, and it'd be nice to know somebody. But when I was in North Carolina, I was there for, for a month and ended up meeting with somebody and we had a great time. And, uh, and like went out like four or five times and mm -hmm. I could see like, if I was in that town continuing something mm -hmm. and I'm also looking, where am I eventually going to settle? Mm -hmm. Um, not that I would ever settle for another person because I, th that's not healthy, but, but if that's one of the considerations is like, oh, there's also somebody there that I enjoy spending time with too. Uh, but I did have a recent not bad experience, but uh, unfortunate experience with someone here in, I'm in Utah right now in the uh, mm -hmm. Salt Lake City area where I matched with somebody on Bumble and we're just chatting and she's like, so what do you, you know, like, why are you on here? And I told her, you know, I'm just looking for people to have so, you know, like, socialize with. She's like, so you're not looking to like date, date. And I was like, well, I can't, I'm here for another week and a half, you know, mm -hmm. but, but like, I also like to make friends and I make a lot of, uh, I may actually make, I would say 80% of my dating app usage ends up with me being in some way friends or like some type of social media, you know, mutual following and stuff like that. And we just become, it's another contact, you know, it's just mm -hmm. another person. I'm like, Oh, this is someone I know in this area. So next time I'm there, I have somebody to meet, meet up with. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, that's cool. You know? So she's like, I'm okay with being friends. And, but then in the middle of our conversation just sent me this like weird copy and paste thing that I can tell that she uses that says, um, hi, your free trial of whatever her, or whatever her name, which I'm not going to say, uh, has expired. Um, please uh, provide your phone number if you'd like to ask her on a date or, um, or if you just want to continue texting, just say stop. <laughs> and I was like, we already talked that I, we're not going to go on a date. So I don't understand. So I, I replied back very honestly. And I said, you know, listen, as someone who does this for a living, I'm going to tell you this is extremely passive aggressive and not mm -hmm. the way to get a guy to actually ever, ever, ever ask you on a date. Um, unless it's some kind of cute, funny thing that you like is part of the conversation. But when we are in mid chat with somebody just to do that, 
especially when it doesn't make any sense because you've already talked about the fact that you can't go on a date uh i said it just comes off as shitty and uh and so yeah i I left it at that and let her see that then she unmatched me there were several times when i was on dating apps i've been off of dating apps since 2019 i guess it was but there were several times that i could not resist giving some feedback yeah (laughs) okay so this is what i do for a living and let me lay some things out for you who knows what kind of feedback they actually take it's to heart. good, though. You know, like I try not to give unsolicited advice, but I will have a lot of people say, oh, you have a dating podcast. What do you think of my profile? Or what do you think of my, you know, whatever? And I'll be like, okay, I will be honest with you and give you, you know, full assessment. Here's what I like. Here's what I don't. Here's my suggestions. You know, mm-hmm. I always try to, anything I give, I always try to be constructive. You know, you, you obviously, you don't want to just insult. You always have to give some type of, here's how to fix it if it's wrong. Yes. Yes. I definitely had, but I mean, there are some things that we experience as women that are, y'all get, I'll say you get some weird behavior, you get the passive aggressive stuff, people kind of showing their ass, we get the stuff that's way more targeted towards violence or name calling and things like that. Um, But then we also just get things like unsolicited dick pics. Just dicks, yeah, yeah. I didn't often get unsolicited dick pics actually the last one that i got was a wrong number <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. it, it was the all i got was the picture and it was from under the nose i could see the mouth to mid thigh and okay. they, he was holding his package that was right. obviously not erect and i just sent a quick text back that said i think you have the wrong number to which they said oh shit and I didn't say like I'm a dating coach. Right. I did say for future reference, you might want to send a test text to say, hey, so-and-so, this is so-and-so. Make sure it's them. Then if it's okay with them, send a picture like this. Yeah. I don't know if they read it or not, or if they just blocked me out of embarrassment. But anyway, back to like some of the feedback that I've had to give on dating apps, you know, when men do get, aggressive or they get demanding or especially asking for nude photos or asking for my time you know i'm not going to take you on a date but you can certainly come over to my place and we can netflix and chill yeah i do i did get pretty direct with those people like if, if all you're wanting is something casual cool but your profile says you're wanting a serious relationship so what i'd recommend for other people because i'm not coming over is that you either lay out really clearly that you're just wanting something casual right? or you don't do this. Yeah. Just be consistent. That's the biggest thing I think people struggle with on some of the dating apps is they say one thing and they do another. Absolutely. The, the, the consistent honest. Yeah. The honesty needs to be there. I've, I've said that I even did a whole TikTok. like men, do you just want to get laid? Is that all you're looking for? Just say, listen, I don't want anything serious. I'm honestly just looking to have, good sex with somebody that you know that we can chat have a good time and and, and have sex and i said guarantee people will match with you there's plenty of women out there who are perfectly fine with their sexuality and all they're wanting is to get laid yeah you have a friends with benefits add someone new to the rotation they just don't want to be lied to exactly exactly because if you put that you're just wanting something casual, the ones who want something serious aren't going to try and flip you. They'll just skip right by you. Exactly. Like if you are just honest and upfront in your profile with everything full, as you say, you and Sarah, are very transparent. I was always very transparent on there. One of my worst dates oh, yes. that I have this. talked about on a, on a podcast before I call him to my friends. He's known as Burger King hands. Okay. So found him on a dating app, only pictures of him, which I often recommend. Don't put pictures of other people in your profile, but there were definitely times where you could tell someone was cut out. So we meet up at a bar for a happy hour and he stands up and he's not very tall. I don't have a problem with that. Right. He looks a little older than his pictures. Uh, It finally comes out on the date that he was not 38. He was in fact 42 okay or i think 37 and 42 because it was a five-year age difference and i was like 32 and i was like okay well why would you lie about your age on dating app and and then just tell me on the first date like why would you lie about that 
So well, I still want kids and a lot of women my age are done with that phase in life. And a lot of women your age aren't looking for a guy like me. I'm like, every woman of every age is looking for someone that tells the truth from the get go. Wouldn't you rather have someone who sees your profile as, as you are and still swipes right on that? Like, yes, sign me up for that. Exactly. That was back in 2012 when that happened. I run into him in the city a few times and it's, awkward and embarrassing because i i kind of run and hide each time i see him it's bad because he, he recognizes me he knows who i am for sure uh but then i found him again on a dating app in 2019 and he's still like he had progressed his age but it was still five years younger than he uh. really was you still haven't learned shit dude and that's probably why you're still single at least well, i had at least gone through a marriage and divorce <laughs> right, <laughs> right, that right. Time. like someone wanted to keep me around <laughs> for a while well even if he was a blazing narcissist i still need to know why you call him burger king hands though so at, he had been keeping his hands underneath the table the whole time while he was talking to me and okay. then when he finally picked up his glass i saw how tiny his hands were and oh so like the the like the whopper jr commercials where they had the tiny hands so they ate the whopper jr to make their hands look bigger Uh, okay all right yeah that's funny that's funny (laughs) oh he was just a big fucking mess yeah it sounds like it that's the only way i could describe that poor guy i think you know that that advice that like goes for for men and women that just Put yourself out there, have full body pictures, have, you know, mm-hmm. you want people to see Recent who you are. full body yes, pictures. Yes, yeah. You want because, it doesn't see. matter what you look like. There is someone out there that wants to sign up for what you've got. But I, I hear a lot of women sometimes say, well, I don't want someone who's going to be shallow. I'm like, you want someone who's going to know what you look like, You're like, because mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not a shallow thing to have. I mean, if, if all you're focused on is, is looks, then that is obviously an issue, but you want someone that you're going to be attracted to. And physical attraction is one aspect of attraction in general. And mm-hmm. so you have to have that. And then also have the, you know, intellectual, you know, attraction, the emotional attraction, et cetera, and the sexual chemistry, all of those things. But you want them to know what you look like. So then they can be like, oh, this is my type. This is something that I'm, that I'm into. A hundred percent. So important. So we met on TikTok and I think that has been, I mean, that's been great for me. It's my business has gone through the roof, but it has become my favorite platform to be on. Not, not just to post on, but to be on and consume content on. Tell me about your experience with TikTok so far. Well, we first, so Sarah first told me that, hey, we need to get on TikTok. And I was like, I'm not getting on TikTok. And this is like a, probably a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we did for Dating Kind of Sucks. We started Dating Kind of Sucks. We had six posts and then we got banned permanently mm-hmm. um, because we were trying to talk about dating and relationships and we hadn't really grasped it. And so then she got frustrated with it. And then I got back on and I was like, let me just try just getting an idea in a sense and, and you know, and everything. And I thought it was going to be all like teenagers dancing. Uh, when you first get on TikTok, I get on there and it's not, it's just a whole bunch of hot redheads dancing, um, which apparently uh, someone told me it was just because it's what you like when you're on there first. And so I was like, oh, I guess I affected the algorithm there. Yeah. Um, but then after that, I started to really kind of uh, pay attention to what content works and started just deciding to talk about dating. And when I hit that mark where I was like, all right, I'm going to talk about dating. It became a, like it all of a sudden started resonating with people and my audience has grown and grown and grown. And um, I find it fascinating and frustrating at the same time. Mm, I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah, their 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 community guidelines are not clearly set. Um, they don't they they let people who are bullies and trolls like take over. They let people dox. They let people um you know brigade and then just like send. They can send people to go report an account and get an account. You know, like I had an account. Um, well, my account was permanently banned for uh, six hours until I wrote an extremely angry letter to uh, to them saying I was brigaded by this guy who didn't like the you know what I had to say about him. Mm-hmm. And he sent his 2.1 million followers after me and they all reported my account, you know, and so they restored it, but it's frustrating that that has to happen. So, mm-hmm. but I think all social media has like each, each, like I like Twitter for certain things. I like Facebook for certain things, Instagram. So like they all have their, their benefits, but TikTok is definitely a, uh, a growing and then the one my popularity. I'm so over Facebook and Instagram. I'm certain I'm shadow banned on Instagram judging by what posts get traction and what posts don't. Yeah. And I don't pay to play. Like I'm tired of paying. I don't pay for ads anymore on Facebook. So yeah. of course nothing goes anywhere. 
and and Twitter's fun because obviously with what I do as a certified sex coach, it's one of the last bastions of free speech. I mean, there's porn on Twitter. Yes. Uh, so I can say whatever I want. I can say dick, balls, pussy, cock, yeah, asshole, whatever. Right, right. And it's not going to get censored. But yeah, when I post a video about booty play, I can't say booty play. I can't say anal. I have to put up a peach that's dancing and point to it. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like I had a funny little uh, clip that I posted that um, I went out with someone who was a, uh, who was a squirter and um, I did a little, mm. little like seven minute thing about um, when you uh, just had a fun oral session with a squirter and it was the Saturday live theme music. And I like waited the camera and then water poured out of my mouth. And uh, it was, you know, just like a quick little thing that I did that I thought would be very funny. And of course, immediately got flagged and, mm. um, and I had to, and then so I reposted and I had to rewrite the words oral and squirter with like umlauts and like just different letter you know, just, yeah, or yeah. Good for A's. <laughs> yeah i can't say vagina or type out vagina i think you know even go through the closed captioning and try to take those you can't say sex i have to say segs like s-e-g-g-s yep although as i lamented like you say it's fun and it's frustrating it's grown things yeah. for us uh i just hit a million likes and a hundred thousand followers on there and i've only That's been on since february that's fantastic. So like, I don't really know what the secret sauce is other than people are craving information and content that helps improve their lives. And that's where they're, they're turning to. Yeah. Which talk and therapy, TikTok and, you know, dating and relationship, TikTok, intimacy, TikTok, kink talk, all those things have been a lot of fun. There are, there are so many more communities than I realized when I first started mm -hmm. in it. And it's nice trying to like find those and, uh, and, you know, and, and then explore that. And I, yeah, my, mine, I mine has grown not to that level yet, but, um, I know that, uh, just in one week and one day I had one that went crazy and I, you know, I had grew 20,000 followers, you know, and just, just in, in almost over a weekend over three it's, days. It's funny when you can tell that a certain video has hit the FYP because yeah. all of a sudden that's the only video that's getting comments. <laughs> It's the only one getting likes. Yes. Now, what's frustrating for me is that I've always so I've I've been blogging for years. I haven't as much now, but um, I started blogging in 2004, and I would blog every day of the week. Old school um, blogger, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I had my first website with Vidable.com in '95, uh, mm -hmm. like when you could first do it. Yeah. So it's it's been like it's always been something. I've always shared content in some way, and it was always very important for me to respond to every single comment, like every every comment that I got. I um at one point my blog had half a million views uh, a month, so I was, I was getting plenty of plenty of exposure every post i put 300 comments and i would reply to every single person so that's important to me and the problem i find with tiktok is that i try to reply to everybody or i try to acknowledge everybody who takes the time to comment as long as it's not a shitty comment mm -hmm. and I reply if i can or something but tiktok's notifications are so poorly designed mm -hmm. that if i go to bed at midnight and i wake up at 7 a.m and then i have to try to scroll back through seven hours worth of notifications if this is just normal with like, I can't imagine what it's like when you break that hundred thousand, when you break that million views, like you it's can't even lot. keep track. Yeah. It's so hard to keep track. <laughs> it's hard. Like, yeah. And, and, and it, so like that gives me anxiety because I, it's very important for me to be accessible and engage, um, one-on-one -on -one with my audience because that's where I feel like the real true, you build a real loyal base of, of, of people who want to know what you want to have to say. And, uh, and if I can't do that, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am trying my best to keep up. The one thing that I'm having a hard time keeping up with is the message requests and people just asking, which I I like giving advice. My, but I'm also trying to find the balance between my time is valuable and not giving away too much for free. But uh, that's why I started a text line. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's been kind of fun. Like it can be again time consuming, but. I am enjoying the fact that there are some technologies out there now that are helping me like grow and build things outside right. of Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> well, I will tell you, this is, this is something I learned years ago. And this is when I, I used to do a business that helped uh, lawyers find jobs and then doctors, and we would offer uh, resume services and then help them use direct mail, et cetera, to find jobs. But um, the resumes was the big, the big thing. Um, and I would put full sample resumes like completely done as a PDF on our site. And I remember someone being like, why do you do that? Why are you giving this information away for free? And the thing is that people who want it for free can get it. 
someone who's who's not going to pay for it anyways at least maybe they'll benefit from the information and then later on when they do have money they'll say well this guy was an expert he was obviously an expert because this information that i got was fabulous it's not hidden behind anything Mm -hmm. the people who want to pay for it they they don't care if it's free like they're like oh i really love this free stuff but i really want to pay somebody to help me with this Mm -hmm. and so that that's one thing i've always found about um about any type of like advice and stuff like that is that people who want to pay for it are going to pay for people who don't aren't going to no matter how much information you give out or don't give out for free so that is a nice thing about it is that people will be like if you give good advice people like oh great i want to be i want to subscribe to what you have to say yeah you're right just, right. just something as I found over the last like, yeah, twenty years of of uh, like running a company and all that. Yeah. Well, and hey, giving people free advice on my TikTok has gotten me a lot of new. That's, clients, yeah, exactly, so, exactly. Yeah, I open my email every day to new people reaching out, wanting some advice. So, I do want to take a quick break, and after the break, I want to talk to you about something based on what I saw on your TikTok, which is talking about. As a young man in law school and meeting your first wife, she was the person you made your sexual debut with. I did, yes. But then there were some ensuing issues. So I want to talk about sexual chemistry and what you've learned about yourself having been someone who waited and some of the advice that you give and I give. Sound good? Sounds good. It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute, so stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. And we are back. So I saw a recent TikTok, Adam, that you told the story about you and your wife and how y'all got together. So can you you recap that one for me and the listeners? Yes, I actually met my uh, my ex-wife first week of law school, and uh, we started dating shortly thereafter. And I uh, I shouldn't uh, I probably should have like dated around, but I was I was feeling very lonely during that period. Um, I come out of college, went to a town where I didn't know anybody. It was in St. Louis. Um, I, I didn't know anybody at all. Everybody in law school seemed to be either married or engaged, and so mm-hmm. then here was somebody who I found attractive, and I was like, oh, I should like I, I need to be with somebody. So we started dating, and um, she was the first person I had sex with. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize it at the time, but it just wasn't good sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I do you remember. Say you didn't realize it at the time. What what ended up making you all of a sudden go like, oh shit, this isn't this isn't good. Well, I think it took some time, and just over the years, as I started to, I I, I didn't actually know for for a long time, but then I, I had a friend that became a very close friend with uh, that she and I would just talk about everything, and we would talk mm-hmm. about she would talk about her sex life with her husband, and we were talking, and and <laughs> she would ask me about my sex life, and I would describe it, and she's like, that's not sex like i don't know what you're having but that's not really good sex and i was like really so then i started to understand that maybe i was missing out on something mm-hmm. and i knew that i had because i was disappointed from the beginning like i was like oh this is what i like didn't have for the last several years why am i why did i you know not that i waited what's on- all the fuss about <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like i would watch movies where people like throw each other against a wall and just like you know just like fuck up against a wall and i'd be like oh that doesn't happen like nobody does that shit yeah mm-hmm. i know but that, that's what i thought <laughs> And so then over the years, our sex life just kind of, it, it came, it was really just, uh, we would do it out of obligation. Like we felt like we had a marital obligation mm-hmm. to have sex and she didn't really enjoy foreplay. And I, I, I feel, and then she, that maybe she had some asexual tendencies that mm-hmm. maybe she, you know, had never really approached. Uh, she'd only had a couple partners before me. Mm-hmm. And so over the time it just became, it was just, it was just like, oh, we had, yeah, it's been six months. We should have sex, you know, and basically all it was. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, I'd rather just go jerk off because then I, I know it's just me because I put so much focus, not focus, so much pressure on myself to please her. Like it was all about like, I'm like, oh, I want to make sure she's enjoying herself, but she, I don't think she was ever enjoying herself no matter what. Mm-hmm. So I, I was putting this pressure on myself. So then I wasn't enjoying sex. So all this, mm-hmm. goes, this friend of mine, uh, she and I ended up falling in love with each other and had an affair Mm. and then we had sex for the first time and i had like good sex and i was like holy shit like this is what i've been missing this entire time like like we had sex on like my office floor was in so like my toe knuckles were bleeding you know like you know like yeah you know like it just like and and, like you know Uh we we broke a lamp you know like and i was like this is what i like this is this is is, yeah this is the life that i've been missing and so Uh 
then I was torn because then I felt like a complete shit, you know, garbage person because I, I had, you know, I'm not being faithful. But then I also knew that I would never have that spark of like that spark of that passion, passion. Mm-hmm. and that I could never create that out of nothing. We never had that. We never had that communication. We, and like, and, and this new person, I was like, oh, this is amazing. And so, you know, I asked her, I went to therapy and started working myself and then eventually got a divorce. Mm-hmm. You went through what a lot of people go through though, which is the, you, you didn't get, it sounds like a lot of experience, context, information, any of that stuff right. before you were actually an adult and then trying to navigate an adult relationship and sex and all those things. And so many people who don't know what they're missing out on suddenly have an experience. And then there's the light bulb. I'm like, Oh shit, this is what I've been missing out on. And my life could be different. And like the end of the day, you married the wrong person. And yeah, maybe the way that things devolved at the end or the way you exited wasn't what a lot of people would say was right. I don't think there's right or wrong. It may not have felt very good, as you say. Yeah. It felt like it wasn't, it didn't feel very good. I also didn't in my first marriage very good either because I was, I had that moment. Oh shit, this is what I'm missing out on. Oh, well. Yeah. And, um, but at the end of the day, we, we just married the wrong people because you know, we didn't know ourselves. But no one tells us to figure ourselves out before we get into something long-term. No one tells us it's okay to figure out our sexuality and to experiment. And I don't know, did you grow up with purity culture or anything like that? Was there, was there something deeper to what led you to hold off and not have any experience going into this? I think in high school, I just didn't want to. I just wasn't, Mm -hmm. I was like, it wasn't something I wanted. And then in college, I wanted to, but I wasn't in a place to, like I was Mm -hmm. going through my own shit in college and was not like a dating person. I was like working on me. Well, thank you Uh, for not putting your shit on other people during that. Yeah, (laughs) basically. (laughs) Well, everybody in my college is a big party college. I didn't drink. I didn't drink until I was 32. um, Where'd you go to college? Uh, it's called Washington and Lee University in uh, mm. Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody, you know, and I didn't drink, I didn't party. And um, I was very much a control freak. I was very much about trying to stay in control of everything. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until halfway through my marriage, that I started to relinquish that control a little bit and realized that I couldn't control everything. So why was I trying and all these things? Um, I, I, I will say that I don't think I married the wrong person. I think I married exactly who I needed to marry at that point. And that even though our communication was, you know, otherwise good and everything else was good, I almost needed that because that divorce is what changed everything about me. If I hadn't had that moment where I realized that I didn't like the fact that I didn't, that I wasn't honest, then like that changed my entire philosophy about life. It changed everything about me because that moment forward, I was like, I want to be someone who's always honest. I want to be someone who has that transparency and has that accountability for myself. I want to be a better person. I want to be someone who goes with the flow and, and relaxes and understands that things happen for a reason and doesn't try to get caught up on with anxiety and things like that. So like it actually, I think really, I don't recognize the person I was 11, 12 years ago, 11, 12 years ago. And who I am now is a much better person and a much happier person, but I could never have been here without having that period of, of time as well. Oh, and I feel the same way about having had my two marriages. Uh, I still definitely feel like I married the wrong people. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I had to say that too. Well, the like, wrong you know fit. I married the wrong fit. I didn't Maybe find yeah. the person yeah. because I didn't know myself. I hadn't been given right. permission and I didn't give the permission to myself to understand and explore myself. And I feel very much like you. I am not the person that I was 10, even 20 years ago, especially. Yeah. And I mean, what I do now I did grow up in some purity culture. I grew up in a Baptist family. My grandpa was a deacon. Um, My parents weren't really practicing religion. We went to church a little bit when I was little, when we're living in my hometown with both sets of my grandparents. But then I got involved in church on my own through a friend. So I had the purity culture bullshit. I had the, you know, the sin stuff. I had the good and bad, you know, you're dirty, that kind of stuff. I mean, Late 90s was, and I mean, we still have a lot of it, you know, deeply steeped in slut shaming. Yes. So uh, that permission piece, if you can't find a way to give it to yourself, it has to be given by other people. And that certainly was not there. Right. So, um, but okay. So you end up having the affair and figuring out sex can be absolutely mind blowing. You go through that whole process. Yes. So, now 
as as adults who are out navigating the world, you know, sexual chemistry is something that I talk about with people that mm. it, it is essential. It doesn't matter what you like. Yeah. You've just got to find people who like the freak flag that you're flying. Right. <laughs> so sexual chemistry, how do you really explain that to people when you're it is an abstract thing. Yes. And people who've not had good sexual chemistry, like you say, they have this perception of like, oh, that kind of stuff doesn't really happen. That's just in the movies. How do you really get people to understand what sexual chemistry is when they've never had it? That that is hard. That is a really mm-hmm. difficult uh, thing. I we we did an episode on the difference between compatibility and chemistry, and then mm-hmm. how important it is to understand that you might be compatible with somebody. Like you might look at all you know, checks off all the boxes and everything. You know, everything looks mm-hmm. great, but then like when you're with them, you don't feel that just that burning urge to you know to just go to the bedroom. You don't feel like that need that you just want to like you want to tell them everything that you that you ever thought, you know, that you want to share every story of your life and hear every story of their life. And I think that that's it's it's like it's a chemistry that goes beyond sexual, but it's it's a it's a you know just an emotional chemistry. Um but you just you when you, it's, it's something that you want to think about that person all the time. And and you do think about that person. And some of that's the honeymoon phase, which then you have to see how long that lasts too. But that that honeymoon relationship phase, energy. Yes, exactly. But that can also be a, a telling. You know, that if that honeymoon phase is strong enough, that can actually tell you a little bit about where where things may go. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can't have just the sexual chemistry either. Like so, yes. that's the thing is you have to have that and the compatibility. Like you have to have both of those things to really have something that's going to work long term. I don't know how I would describe sexual chemistry with with somebody who's never had it, and I don't know how somebody would describe it to me. Um, and that, like when I was at that point, but like I have, I have a friend who's married and she got married to somebody that she's been dating off and on for years, and she's in her mid twenties right now, and she was telling me she's like, oh, yeah, you know, like he 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 can't kiss well. Like there's something with his, mm. like something or like something where his tongue is still attached to like the bottom of his. Oh, he has a, he's tongue tied. Yeah. Which I guess. Like, so, like, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like that, whatever that's called. Um, and as a result, he just doesn't like kissing, but she's really into kissing. It's really important to her and he can't do it. And I'm like, I know that doesn't seem like a big deal, but I feel like that's a big deal. And I feel like at some point she's going to slip and she's going to kiss somebody who can actually kiss. And she's going to be like, Oh, holy shit. Like I, I want that in my life. Yep. And, yeah. Yep. Yep. I told her that. I told her that when she gets to that point, that I'm not going to judge her, and she can always come talk to me about it, and I'll be here for her to uh, support whatever she decides she wants to do. I sort of see it as our sexual energy is yes. like water. If you dam it up, it's gonna find a way. Like water will find a way to work around it, go through it, whatever. If you are not connecting well, and yes, I agree that kissing is an important part of your sexual compatibility and your chemistry. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, if it's not, it, it's things like if you don't like your partner's scent, if you don't yeah. like the way that they kiss, if they refuse to reciprocate oral sex, yes, or they're not talking to you, like maybe they like degradation and you don't like being called a dirty little slut. If you don't talk about those things, it's going to build up at some point. Yeah. The dam will explode. Yeah. So that's absolutely true. And um, it's either going to explode with that person or you're going to end up with somebody else and having an experience that maybe you end up feeling guilty about. Right. People, when they are feeling sexually frustrated, will make poor decisions. Yes. I've done that, I've done that firsthand. Oh, yeah, me too. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I have as well. Mm, and yeah. uh, it happens and it's you know but sometimes you just you need to get that out of your system mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i think it is hard to explain sexual chemistry to someone who's never had but i i run into that with clients who say things like i've i've never had great sex i've had clients who have said i've never really had someone love me and love my body and give me pleasure and all that and yeah trying to get them to understand what to look for in a future partner it does feel like i'm trying to tell them like it's something out of a book it's something out of a romance novel or a movie truly that when you do meet someone that you feel that compatibility with and that chemistry with it is a bit all-consuming yeah and that's a good thing yeah 
it's it's like a extreme sports or something like that like if there's something you enjoy doing then because it's like you know if you really get a thrill on roller coasters it's a, it's something similar to that it's something that gets your adrenaline up there it gets your heart spiking and and things and but it's just a person mm-hmm. and so you, you know if you don't have that with any people then maybe you should find somebody that makes you feel that way yes agreed and i think it's important for people before they're going into a relationship that they be really, really clear on what it is that they want in a partner. Mm -hmm. I have clients do a list of 60 things that they want in their future partner, all framed Mm -hmm. in the positive. It can't be things like, I don't want this. It has to be, I want this thing. Well, that's good. So, you know, you can't say like, I don't want someone that's rude. You have to say, I want someone that is kind and compassionate. And I try to get them to do things that really get to someone's humanity you know what's their soul look like have you ever heard of the 36 questions to get to know you better no i don't i've talked i've talked about a little bit on my tiktok um maybe maybe i've seen i might have seen something but yeah i'm not too familiar with it it got sort of misbranded because someone wrote a new york times op-ed piece called 36 questions that helped me fall in love or something like that because they did the 36 questions with a friend and then they fell in love (laughs) But it was designed by sociologists to enable two strangers to be able to sit together and ask these questions back and forth to each answer to at the end of it, feel like, do I understand this person? You know, what, what are they like? What's their humanity like? And then they found that people who did the experiment were becoming friends. They were getting in relationships. Even over time, some of the people got married So it's a series of questions that gets deeper and deeper. And it's something I recommend to a lot of clients. So even if you don't sit back and forth and do all these questions, pick a few. Use them either when you're messaging, use them when you're on your video or your phone chat, or use them on your first couple of dates. Hmm. I have sat down with a phone on a date and passed it back and forth. And we've asked each other the 36 questions to get to know you better. But I think that it's, they are, designed to be able to get to some of these things. Can you be compatible? Is there going to be chemistry? Because when people start transparently sharing things about themselves, right, and it matches with what you want, you do start feeling that spark. You do sure. start feeling that like, oh, and that's that pop of chemistry, I think. Absolutely. So, well, Adam, I'm curious, what does the future hold for you? You talked about writing a book. Yes. Tell me more about your book. Well, um, I'm actually going to be launching a Kickstarter for it soon, but it's uh, just a young adult novel. Um, I'll tell you the premise, though, because I think it's I'm really excited about it. I mm-hmm. love writing. I love creating. That's one of those things that, that my biggest passion is in creating content of any type, mm-hmm. whether it's TikTok, whether it's writing, whether it's comedy, like anything that people are going to like to hear and want to hear. Um, but uh, this is actually a young adult novel about a student who brings something in for show and tell. He's a freshman in high school and he has to show something after spring break to homeroom. Mm-hmm. And while he's showing it off, there's a school shooting. Mm-hmm. And the shooter breaks into their classroom. And in the chaos, um, the student, the shooter, and another student are actually transported back in time to because the device that this student brought in is actually mm-hmm. uncle created a time machine and he didn't yeah. realize it's what it was. And it takes him and another student and a, the shooter back in time to World War One. Uh, they're in Belgium, uh, right on the border of France, and uh, they have to learn to work together, and they have to learn how to trust each other, and to in order to survive and make it home alive. And Interesting. Yeah, so it's going to be a lot of to, like I like my books to have some type of social message, and so it's going to be focused on mental health and nature versus nurture, and how you know these students learn that maybe the, the three of them aren't really that different from each other. That it wouldn't have been really that you know like just where their upbringing was, what their parents were like, and, and things like that. Um, but there's still repercussions for bad behavior and for things as well. It's not uh, it, it doesn't absolve um, you know someone for the wrongdoing either, because you still have to understand when you're 14 or 15 that you're doing something. Something that's wrong so mm-hmm. it's gonna be all about all those issues but wrapped up in a sci-fi uh kind of yeah sci-fi type story very cool 
Yeah, but are, I'm very in. Are most of your books YA? Are they? Do, are you one um, of those creatives who's just all over the place with your books? I'm all over the place. So the, my very first book was a humor book that I wrote years ago. It's called Interviews with Dead Celebrities, where I interviewed uh, after a celebrity would die, I would do a posthumous interview with them. Ah, cool. Um, and I have not read it since I wrote it. It's probably very problematic now. I'm going to guess that there's probably some language in there that I would not use now. And they just like maybe some terminology and phraseology that I would definitely not use. But well, hey, um, no better, do better. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's very dark humor. Like I make fun of everybody. Like you know, Whitney mm-hmm. Houston. The the interview that uh, that I wrote with Whitney Houston is you know basically calling her a bad role model for for women and for for not for for like young girls who want to be singers. Well, drug, I mean, look what happened to her daughter. Well, right. That's the thing. So like, it was very dark, and I'm very I'm very like uh, cynical in the whole thing. But people seem to enjoy <laughs> it. Um, and then my my next novel was uh, it's actually called Hashtag Me Too, a supernatural thriller, and it's um it's a book about it's not a young adult novel, but it's a book about um a world where magic is app based and um essentially there's an app called hashtag me too that allows men to turn a woman i'm sorry there's an app that allows women to turn men into women uh magically transform them completely and so for as long as they'd like so that men have to learn what it's like to walk in a woman's shoes oh i like that and then there's a whole murder mystery involved and the detective uh, who's investigating he wakes up one day and he's been turned into a woman so he's trying to figure (laughs) out what what he did in his life while trying to solve these murders who me tooed him (laughs) yeah basically um so those are the the only two things i've written uh but but they are very different and then this one is another completely different step but um i've got 14 different creative projects and they're all completely different in their genres and styles and everything you're like a lot of creatives out there that you just there's so many things that you kind of just start something, at least get it on paper, even if yeah. it means you have to come back to it, but you just got to get your idea down. Oh yeah. But yeah, yeah. so this, this current book though, I'm going to be doing a big Kickstarter for it because that's also going to be helping fund my travels around the country, obviously, uh, so that I can continue to pay for everything like that. As I, you know, just survival essentially. Well, I mean, yeah, you got to survive in order to create <laughs> art. So there's that. Well, let's do your tarot reading as I'm shuffling up here. Could you go ahead and give everybody the best ways to get a hold of you? Absolutely. And this is going to be kind of funny because our most recent episode of dating kind of sucks. It just came out today. Uh, well, this is Friday. I, I don't know when your uh, this episode will actually air, but uh, for this is what Friday, August 6th, I think right now today is. Yeah. yeah. It'll be up on um, Wednesday. Okay. Uh, is actually um, it's called just say no to dating coaches. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't really do a lot of you're, I you're guess not a dating I do some coach. dating coach, but it's more focused on sex relationships. And you're actually certified. And there's that, a lot of fucking shitty dating coaches out there. So our whole episode is actually uh, about dating coaches uh, and why like there's no certification for them. There's no anybody can just decide to be a dating coach and why some women give such terrible advice, especially the men on men ones. Yeah. And, then, and the men who try to give women dating like dating coach advice. It's always like. That one to... guy that you and I have stitched a few times. Yes, exactly. He's such a lame Um, but uh, but yeah. So, anyways, I just thought that of this because I know you're not a dating coach, but like we were talking about coaching, and then here that we is are. Funny, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, dating kind of sucks is available wherever podcasts are found. Uh, you know, everywhere. Uh, dating kind of sucks.com as well. And then I'm a, I'm a vitable A V I table, so Alpha Victor Indigo table, uh, on pretty much every social media: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, OnlyFans, all of that. Um, and then my uh, TikTok is uh, just Adam Evitable. And uh, that's that's inevitable.com is where I post everything and all my books are available on there as well. Very cool. Very cool. Yes. Do uh, give Adam a follow on all of the things. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's do your tarot reading. So I'm just going to right. set a little intention there for you. About what's to come. All right, so you've got the three of water. So okay. can you describe what you see here on the Zoom call? With the- it looks like a naked woman who's just diving into water or is floating in the water face down, either mm-hmm. one. See her, her butt, her long, yes. yeah. curly, long, flowing long, long hair. hair. Yep, she's naked. Mm-hmm. Looks like a photo that I take. I do a lot of photography, so that looks ah. like a photo that I would take. I love nude photography. I had someone on here and we talked about nudity is not synonymous with sex because she's yep. a fine art nude model. And I just love the human form. In fact, yeah. My landlord, someone just moved out from a unit in my building. My landlord was in the basement um, today. And I went to ask him a question. He pulls out this huge canvas, this naked woman sitting in a chair, 
probably like a 30 year old painting i was like um <clears throat> hi i'm a sex coach i would love a nude painting right, he was right. like oh i'm gonna try and sell it but if i can't sell it you can have it like i just like naked bodies just for enjoying their form that's what i do on the side as i do for a lot of photography and it's a lot of it is uh nude because i really like the I like the, just the nude form is so cool to, to mm-hmm. shoot with especially when you play with light and things like that yep all right. Well, the three of water is, uh, well, the water suit corresponds to cups in this deck. Uh, it's about the sense of sight and spiritual and emotional sphere. Water controls your daydreams uh, and mental images, the, the lure of the unknown and of the erotic and adventurous and uh, adventurous situations. It's also that part of the attraction, which comes from what is irrational and from romantic desire. So the three it's about declaration, freedom, free expression of personal feelings, mercury and cancer, okay. and the need to communicate in a careful and personal manner. I mean, like what we were talking about with our censorship. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> careful, personal manners. Mm, yeah. Plus I'm an Aquarius too. So maybe that's uh, the water there. You know? mm-hmm, absolutely. But, you know, free expression of personal feelings. You are like me out there giving advice to people partly based on your experience and, and your context and what you've learned through your life. Yep. And just trying, I think expressing ourselves and our thoughts and our feelings are helping people. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You, we find that uh, you, you do this, I do this, Sarah does this well, that by being honest about what we're going through, by sharing those, those vulnerabilities, it allows people to hear, oh, I'm not alone. And that helps more than any advice you can give sometimes is for people to realize that there are other people out there just like them who are going through something similar. Yep, absolutely. And the most common question that I get from people is, here's my thing, blah, 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 blah. Am I normal? Right. I hope and you answer normal is boring. Who wants to be fucking normal? Right? Like <laughs> usually I say, what is normal? Yeah, that's yeah, true. Who gets to decide what is normal? And on top of that, everything is normal because everything's on a bell curve. So yeah, could there be some outlying things here? Sure. But there's just no such thing as I'm normal and then normal's okay. Like it's just you just are. You just exist. But hey, no matter what you like, there's someone out there who's done it before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there's someone out there that loves it. Yeah. Someone that's going to love that you love it. So that's why I turn people to FetLife a lot. Like, trust me, you are not alone. There's a hundred thousand people out there in a forum that like what you like. It's like rule 34. If you thought of it, porn exists uh, that's related to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, Adam, this has been an absolute delight. Yes. Thank you so too. much. I would love to have Sarah on soon too. We'll get the female perspective on some of the things that suck about dating. So yep. uh, but I really appreciate some of the advice that you shared, a little bit about your journey. And I look forward to seeing what you've got in store for us on social media and in that book coming up. Well, thank you very much. All right. Take care on your travels. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and check the show notes for stuff we talked about during the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and TikTok, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my safe for work or not safe for work email list, which I call the Dirty Bird. If you want less censored content about sex and relationships and want to know what I'm up to, please subscribe to that list. Send me an email, Kristen at Open the Doors Coaching, if you have a question, want to book a session, or want more information on my upcoming workshops. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.